today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Nehemiah 8.11, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I know this might come as a surprise, but it's true. Satan knows the scriptures better than you, better than me. He knows the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if he wants to render you powerless and weak, how's he going to do it? Ah, got to kill that joy because that's the source, that's the fuel in the tank of their strength. And he knows it. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. We all know what happiness feels like, but what about joy? Joy is a pure emotion that is almost impossible to feel without a reason. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that we find our joy in the Lord. The devil despises it. He'll try everything to strip you of that joy because he knows it's where your strength comes from. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're currently in this amazing book of Hebrews, and today, Lord willing, we'll finish chapter 6. We'll pick it up in verse 7. I'll ask those of you that are here, if you're able, you can stand, (coughs) pardon me, and follow along as I read, beginning in verse 7, where the writer of Hebrews, by the Holy Spirit, writes, land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But, verse 8, land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. Verse 11, we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. When God made His promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, He swore by Himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God, verse 17, wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear 
to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Today's teaching is a message of hope and how it is that hope is that which can greatly encourage us as an anchor for our soul. Been really looking forward to today's teaching. Very excited about what God has for us today. For those who are really hurting right now and seemingly losing hope with each passing day, this passage here in Hebrews is for you. And my prayer and my hope is that you will be encouraged today. Like with the Hebrew Christians then, so too are we as Christians now prone to fall prey to the devil's strategies. As the Apostle Paul would write to the Corinthians, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices, his strategies. He strategizes, you know. He studies the map of your life like a military strategist waiting for the optimum time to attack as the enemy of your soul. He doesn't want you to have this hope as an anchor for your soul. In John's Gospel, the 10th chapter and 10th verse, easy to remember, Jesus is speaking. Listen to what he says. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You know what he's saying here? He's saying that the enemy of our soul is hell-bent, quite literally, on stealing, killing, and destroying. What does he want to steal? What does he want to kill? What does he want to destroy? Well, he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy in that he wants to steal our hope, kill our joy, and destroy our faith, riddling us with doubt and paralyzing us with a spirit of fear, which does not come from the Lord. I would suggest that this is exactly what he had succeeded in doing with some of the Hebrew Christians so as to get them to go back to Judaism because his sole goal was to rob them of the blessings that were theirs, to steal from them the hope 
that was theirs. And once he steals a Christian's hope, he replaces it with doubt and fear. It's not long when he does before the Christian begins to question the love that God has for them. Nothing's changed since the garden. He planted that seed of doubt in Eve, hath God said. And he twisted Scripture, and he pointed the finger of accusation and blame at God. God doesn't want you to eat from this tree because God is holding out on you. And he stole from them and all of mankind throughout human history because of that. After all, he's the father of lies, is he not? The accuser of the brethren, is he not? And the author of confusion. Enter the text before us today where the writer of Hebrews, though interesting, he's been very harsh heretofore, very intense in his letter. He's now wanting to encourage them. Clearly the strength of this letter serves as a much needed warning to them, but it also serves as a much needed encouragement for them, and that's what he wants to do. Certainly they were discouraged. They were under tremendous persecution. Pressure to go back to Judaism. And so the writer of Hebrews, by the Holy Spirit, wants to encourage them. And so what follows are two such encouragements to any Christian who finds themselves in that place of discouragement and even despair. I want to preface before we jump in uh, this way, and I just hear my heart on this. You know, oftentimes as Christians, we don't feel safe sharing with other Christians our struggles and discouragement. And sadly, it's due in large part to this notion that if you're discouraged, well, where's your faith? You're discouraged? Well, you must not be a very strong Christian. And there's also that fear of sharing our struggles one with another, that you're unsafe in that they will judge you, they will gossip about you. And I tell you, (laughs) this plays right into the hands of the enemy. Because what happens, and it always ensues, it's textbook, there's this biting and devouring and gossiping, and it will destroy one another. And in the wake of this are the lives of many Christians who want nothing to do with the church. They want nothing to do with the things of God because of this. I preface it this way to say, God cares God knows, and if you're here today and you're discouraged, you're in very good company. I mean, even in despair, do you know the Apostle Paul, who we're going to talk about a little bit later, despaired even of life? And he was in very good company too. 
Throughout the pages of Scripture, we find men and women of God who were just given over to total and complete despair, had given up all hope, and actually wanted to die. How's that one? (laughs) I I think of Job. For those of you that were with us through our study through the book of Job, boy, how gnarly was that? That was a trial in and of itself, studying the book of Job. I mean, Job is like, you know, God is withholding from me the one thing that I desire the most, that he would take my life. Elijah, here's this man, mightily used of God. I mean, on the heels of this miracle where he calls fire down from heaven. And then he slays 450 prophets of Baal. And then he hears that Jezebel wants to kill him, and he starts running for his life, hides out in a cave. He wants to die. He wants God to kill him. Just end it right now, Lord. All throughout Scripture, you'll find it. And these were men and even women that were mightily used of God. I think of Esther. It just came to me, maybe this is the Holy Spirit for somebody here today. Here's a woman mightily used of God. And she is now faced with this life and death decision of whether or not to approach the king uninvited. Because you have to understand that if you do that and the king does not hold out his scepter, you're over. (laughs) Game over. It's off with your head. You're dead. And she knew that before going in. And so she makes this this statement, and really it's a prayer because they're praying and fasting, and she famously says these words, if I perish, I perish. Wow. That's intense. Again, the preface is that that's where these Hebrew Christians were. And the writer of Hebrews wants to encourage them and give them hope to anchor their soul. And the first one is, you won't be forgotten by the Lord. This is in verses 7 through 12. The writer turns a corner of sorts and He acknowledges, and this is what's interesting, he acknowledges that he's had to speak in a very severe manner to them. I mean, it really is. If you look at it, and as we've been studying, he's been pretty blunt with them. But it's not to be harsh with them. Rather, it's to lovingly warn them and encourage them that the Lord is not unjust and he won't forget them. Again, sadly, this is one of the devil's most successful lies. He gets us to think that God's forgotten us, that God doesn't care. I mean, we're going through the trial of our lives. We're hanging on for dear life, hanging on by a thread. 
And isn't the enemy right there in your life? I know he's always there in my life. He's right there, always on time. In fact, sometimes he shows up early. (laughs) Puts thoughts in my mind. I don't know, man. Doesn't seem like God's hearing your prayers. He's surely not answering them. It seems like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Maybe the reason why he doesn't hear your prayer is because he doesn't care. And we believe that. We believe that. That's the devil trying to steal our hope, kill our joy, and destroy our faith. And if he's successful even in some measure, he's replacing all three of those, by the way. Instead of hope, it's hopelessness. Instead of faith, it's fear. And instead of joy, it's sorrow and anxiety. Nehemiah 8.11, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I know this might come as a surprise, but it's true. Satan knows the scriptures better than you, better than me. He knows the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if he wants to render you powerless and weak, how's he going to do it? Ah, got to kill that joy, because that's the source, that's the fuel in the tank of their strength, and he knows it. What about when he starts planting those seeds of doubt, and they begin to germinate and sprout? Isn't it true that we begin to question the Lord, His goodness, His love? That's a biggie, by the way. We start to question the love that God has for us. Talk about that more in a moment. The second one that I want to spend the remainder of our time on today is in verses 13 through 20. And it's this encouragement that you are firm and secure in the Lord. You will never be forgotten by the Lord. You are firm and secure in the Lord. Here, the writer reassures them of the unchangeable promises of God that he swore on oath. I I appreciate the Holy Spirit's inspiration for the writer of Hebrews to articulate this and communicate this. See, God has a problem. Not that God has problems. I'm just speaking in, you know, human terms, right? He has this dilemma, maybe better said. What's the dilemma? Well, You know, when we swear on oath, we swear to God. We put our hand on the Bible, and we swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Right? Do we still do that? I don't know. I haven't been in. (laughs) Hopefully it's a Bible. Now, what's God going to do? I swear to myself. That's basically what he's saying. Because you're swearing on oath, and I'm the one that you're swearing on oath to, and so I want to swear to you, on oath to you, 
but I'm God, so I'll just swear to myself. What are you swearing? I'm swearing, and by the way, maybe this is as good of a time as any to clear up a misnomer concerning Peter. You know, when we're told that he swore the third time he denied Christ, that's not foul vulgarities that he swore that came out of his mouth. No, he swore that he never knew Jesus. He swore on oath that he never knew Jesus when he denied him the third time. So what's God swearing on oath? God is swearing on oath that he cannot lie. It's impossible. See it like this. I I hope this isn't making it even more complicated. I don't mean to do that if it is. But it's not that God won't lie. It's that God can't lie. Do you see the difference? That's a game changer, right? So he's swearing on oath. It is impossible for him to lie. He absolutely cannot lie. Okay? So what are you swearing on oath? Oh, I'm swearing on oath that I will never forget you and that you are firm and secure, anchored in hope because of Jesus. We're going to see this more in chapters 6 and 7, this high priest Melchizedek. For those of you that were with us in our study through the Old Testament, this was a type of Christ. By the way, pre-law, Melchizedek, the, the high priest. And Jesus is likened to Melchizedek as the high priest who enters in as a forerunner to go in before us and for us. And that curtain is torn and he makes atonement. And that's it. That's our hope. Our hope is Jesus. I love that song we just saying, actually all of them, but that last one. You know, it's sometimes maybe cliche when we say that Jesus is our only hope, but Jesus is our only hope. It's been said that you'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. I look at the landscape in the world today, And I got to tell you, and I know we talk about it every week in the updates, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that hope, that blessed hope, that at any time now that trumpet is going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up, raptured up to meet the Lord in the air. That's not like we talked about last week, this blessed hope, like I sure hope I sure hope so. No. (laughs) It is an anchored hope in the person of Jesus Christ who cannot lie. It's settled. It's the truth. It's the truth. And it's for this reason that we can take hold of the hope set before us and be greatly encouraged having no doubt that we are secure. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout much of this book, Jesus is mentioned as the great high priest. Aren't you glad that you can go directly to him with your troubles? There's no need for an intermediary person to bridge the gap. Jesus became that bridge when he died on the cross. If you'd like to know or understand more about this concept, we encourage you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com and look for the resources tab. Under that, there's a link to the ABCs of salvation. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and saves you from a life and eternity without him. Hebrews simply touches on the fact that Jesus fulfilled all the things that were promised in the Old Testament. It's like when you're reading a spy novel and you're given clues earlier on, but then it all makes sense in the end. Would you like to connect with others in their faith walk? If you're not currently part of a church, join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30, 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you might be interested in some additional teachings by Pastor J.D., including his Mideast Prophecy Updates. This is an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this current time in the world's history. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition as we learn more valuable things from the book of Hebrews right here on In Spirit and Truth. To